tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! I love this cover of Contact. Oh my gosh. Like, if you didn't feel like crying at the end of this episode, and then you heard this song, it's like, nope, I am done. <laughs> that is feelings overflow. Hello, Red versus Blue fans, and welcome to the season finale for the AfterBuzz TV Red versus Blue Season 13 After Show. I am here with uh, Megan Blue Team Salinas. Hey guys, you can tweet at me at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. And we have Alexis Red Team Taurus in the booth. Hey everybody, you can find me at A Torres 890. And I am Katie Freelancer Cullen. You can find me on Twitter at Kiaxe. That's K-I-A-X-E-T. As always, we are checking the hashtag that is ABTV. RVB, and we have two very special guests with us today. We have Miles Luna and Bernie Burns. Hello. Yep, that's pretty much it. (laughs) That's what I'm sure the Alamo in Austin sounded like tonight. With everyone cheering like crazy. How are you guys doing tonight? Pretty good. We're doing really well. We just got done with the screening for RVB 13. It was 192 minutes. Is that right? It was very long. Two hours wow. two. So, yeah. It, some math. Um, Plus maybe. credits. You know, yeah. It was like three hours long. And uh, and not a lot of people stopped for bathroom breaks. So that was uh, very impressive. A little frightening, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> We've kind of been trained by movie culture not to do that. We sat through enough Lord of the Rings to uh, to live through that. <laughs> So we are talking about episodes 17 through 20, All or Nothing, Great Destroyers, The End is Near, and The End. How much <laughs> screaming did you get for naming them like that? Uh, the appropriate amount of screaming. <laughs> what is the appropriate amount of screaming for that? A lot. <laughs> I guess. Well, that is... I mean, the end was a big debate because, you know, every time I saw The End, it's like, I'm so gun shy about like always communicating to the audience that it's not the last episode right, right. of the series <laughs> ever. But we've already been talking about RVB 14 with a lot yeah. of people, so we haven't seen a whole hell of a lot of that. Yes, and we still have. Are you making more records? <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah, we still have that, and still up and running. It is right. Yeah, no, it totally is. Okay, we, I yeah. think that my and the answer is still yes. <laughs> Your number one reference site to answer that question. We have 14 <laughs> and... Yeah, the questions we would every season is like, is there going to be more? And the answer was always yes. And the other question is, have you done that this year? It's like, are you guys going to use Halo 5 for RVB? Oh my god, yeah. We get that all the time. We get... Yeah. People ask that question all the time. There's a new Halo game. It's like, are you going to use it? It's like, yes. We're going to probably use it in the future. We use every single map that Halo 4 had to offer. So yeah. we kind of have to. <laughs> it is nice. So we've got a whole version of the game that you really haven't touched too much at this point. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so, sidebar. We're just going to skip this generation of Halo games. It's not important. It's not important. We're going back to Marathon. (laughs) We're going to go back to Halo 1. Kicking it old school. Go back to Blood Gulch. Time travel. There you go. We did go back to Blood Gulch for about 15 seconds during the finale. (laughs) Sister and Junior are back, you guys. 
that was a lot of fun. That was a fun little cameo, and having Becca back in the booth was fantastic. She, like, went right into it, picked it up, no problem. And, um, yeah, it was, like, waiting for those cameos on that episode was something that was really fun. As someone that uh, checks out the occasional reaction video online, uh, the faces that would always come whenever Junior goes, my sister, like, creeps in the frame. Like, it was, like, really fun to watch. You give people heart attacks when you go around and like their Tumblr post. People go, oh, Miles has seen it. I'm done. <laughs> it's funny. There's cool stuff on there. So. I'm out there prowling. Miles is vicious. Miles loves the emotional moments more than anything else. Oh, yeah. It's those, the, yeah. No, they're fun. It's <laughs> like, it's like you, I, we'll see him around like a Monday, you know, uh, in the office. Like, hey, you're excited about tonight. He's like, people are going to cry. <laughs> 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 and I'm sure that was the lead up to uh, today's episode. It's just like, and how many people are going to lose their noise? Yeah, yeah. So that's an episode that's been a long time coming. A long time coming. Yeah, it's 13. Church's number on his uh, shirt was 13. Yeah. <laughs> was all, those, it? Uh, all those years ago. Yeah, that 13. He, that was always his number was 13. And so, can we? I mean, it's okay to talk about like actual oh, yeah. spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was uh, that was one we've been talking about for a little while, Miles and I. I mean, uh, um, when Miles and I work on the scripts together, but that's not even like a good way to describe it. It's like we talk about like we talk about like major milestones in the series, hash them out what we want to do, and then I mean that's like two or three moments over the course of an entire season. And then the main writer for this, that season, which has been Miles for the last three seasons, uh, just goes is off the races from that point and does everything. Yeah, it was back during season 11 when we, you know, I was, there was a moment where I pulled you and Matt into a room and I was like, all right, so here's how I see this going. These guys are going to be fighting these guys. Yeah. And then it turns out that this person could be Karn Industries. And oh, there was blindsided. Oh, and then it all ends in this war. And there was all these questions like, okay, how does that even make sense? And who is this guy? Yeah. And we were going through all of it. And and at the end of it, you you walked up and you're like, I think this is actually really, really great. Um, mm-hmm. I've had this idea for a while, and I'm assuming it's cool that we talk about this. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you first came to me and go, I have this idea on how we bring the meta back. And I was like, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to take a minute to confirm that the meta is dead, because after that, people will go nuts. Would you like to be, would you like to be? No, go ahead, please. Okay. The meta's fucking dead. Oh my god, he's so dead. He's deader than dead. We had we had Price say that he was dead like in four different ways. Miles let saying it go. that. I'm not saying that. Let it go. <laughs> Are you mad? <laughs> Bernie, you're not helping. You're really not helping. <laughs> I continue to, to do RVB. I have no plans on bringing back the meta. The meta is an idea. So. <laughs> 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 they never die. And I use that die It's philosophy. But, um, yeah, no, the idea was uh, we would bring the meta back through um, under under Church's control, going through the, the ghosting thing. And um, obviously that, you know, things change over the years, and we kept making slight alterations and, like, honing it, let's actually go more in this direction, and what if Tucker were to get it, and finally come to the point where, right. like, this is what it needs to be. And there was a particular take on the Tucker getting it, too, which yeah. was we, we talked about for a long time. But, you know, we are going to continue at some point the storyline, you know, where we've left off. Well, I should say where we left off. We'll continue the storyline, like, after this at some point. You know? Yeah. Might be a big long gap. Yeah. You know, there might be something. Yeah, it's uh, funny. I have to say, there's a bunch of people that, uh, obviously, there's, whether you love the ending or you hate the ending, it was something that, that we were really excited about and we put our heart and soul into. Yeah. But one of the comments that I, that is, like, my favorite negative comment, which is, oh, we got cheated out of this huge fight scene, now we have to wait two years to see it. 
That's pretty presumptuous of you. I like if it's up to me, like we will never see that fight ever. Right. Yeah. Right. That defeats the purpose. Well, like you said, if when if and when we pick up uh, with the future storyline, it'll be who knows when it'll be. Well, I think that Mo, you know, one of the things when we're just gapping away here, we're yeah. about red versus blue. It's a thirteen year season. It's like we do things all the time or you know, on a regular basis we do things that are different. You know what I mean? That they're different kinds of endings. You know what I mean? And within the moment, uh, they will challenge what people think of being, you know, as a as closure. But over the course of you know, fifteen going into twenty years, that kind of thing, it's like if we if we did every season where like a clean cut or something like that, it it, it wouldn't be as enjoyable. It wouldn't be as unique as what it is now. It was um, when we were talking about what season fourteen was going to be. Yeah. Um, I remember we went to I think we went to like Baby A's or something, and I told you I was like. Bernie, if we do the ending that we've been, we've been planning on, it's like, can we do something that's not me continuation afterwards? Because like, I, I wanted that ending to resonate and just sit for a little while. And sure. that's where the idea of the anthology thinking about, and I'm, just, I'm so incredibly excited for it. Well, I, I read a comment somebody said too, it's like the whole lesson of faith and having, you know, making the sacrifice and making that based on faith. It's like, then the audience is in that with you. You yeah. know what I mean? They're like, we, we, we wrote something where we can put the audience in that experience as well. Yeah. Exactly what the character's going through. You yeah. had the same experience yeah. there. And, it's, and faith was, was a really strong theme in, in season 13. It's, you know, the mercenaries didn't have that, and the Reds and Blues did, and that's why in the end they, they kicked their ass. Sure, Carolina needed it. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, Carolina having faith in herself, mm-hmm. and all throughout, all throughout the... Learn to get that, yeah. yeah. And, was, uh, and watch and, having faith in the Reds and Blues. I'm a little biased when it comes to Wash, so that's something I definitely noticed. Like, oh, he's good at feelings now. <laughs> I like to think the Reds and Blues rubbed off on him. Not Donut, though, and not in that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's rubbing on. Uh, <laughs> I'm just happy that Shannon McCormick, who is the voice of Agent Washington, has progressed from essentially being <laughs> a character who is very important in Reconstruction, but basically was like, let's go. All right, we're here. Let's go. <laughs> and it's like he was our. This is what's happening. <laughs> and now we need to leave. And that was basically the role that Washington filled for a long time. But Washington's had a good run too, where he's been. You know, you know, we went all the way back to the prequels nine and ten. You know, we learned about how Wash got to be where he was. Then he was this reluctant hero. Then he was a villain for a little while, and now he's like this like emotional core of the team. Yeah, he's he's hands down one of my favorite characters just because of the crazy journey that he's been on and how much he's changed over the years. He's, he's he, and he's also fun too to have in a fight because you've got that. You know, he's a badass, but I, I describe him as like a Nathan Drake or an Indiana Jones. Where it's like he gets the job done, but in his kind of own goofy, right. charming sort of way. Right. And getting to see that in episode eighteen was was a lot of fun. Episode eighteen was so much fun. I don't. I don't understand how you can find yourself cheated out of an epic fight scene when you have episodes eighteen and nineteen to look at. I just. I just don't understand the philosophy that those were amazing. <laughs> I guess leave them wanting more is uh, the way to go out. I suppose. No, the the epic fight definitely took place. I mean, it really did. Yeah, the planning of that was monstrous. It was myself, Cohen, and, and Carmichael in a room with a bunch of whiteboards and like stick figures. We had stats of like, this character has these weapons. At this point, this one loses this, this one loses that. And then the Mad Boots thing, it was, it was just <laughs> absurd. And it was a, it was really weird. I've never like written a fight. Like 11 was the first time I've ever written a fight, I, I suppose. And it's, it, was, it was very different. Um, and it, you know, you, in Ruby, we just like action goes here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it was a really fun experience. It was, it was 
was really cool to learn from from those guys. We have a question from Tumblr user None I with Left York, who has one of my favorite Tumblr names ever. We both did the same head shot. Was this the intended ending for the trilogy from the start? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, well, in broad strokes, yes. Yeah. 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 We when because I think we've said this sometime before. Like when we started episode eleven, we didn't have the firmest grasp on where it was going to go. We knew, like you said, we had our broad strokes. They crashed. Caroline and Church are gone. We have this conflict at the end. But like we were, we were, we had aired the first episode, and we were still a little like we thought we knew what the conflict was going to be, but we weren't hundred percent sure. And we had to get our we had to get our act together, and we did. And, and what we came up with, I thought, was was pretty fun. A lot of pieces um, had to fall into place if we were going to do this ending. It had to be you know bringing back the medics' equipment, mm-hmm. so there being some motivation for that to happen. And I remember I I, I thought it was pretty solid because I talked to you about it for a while, and then you came. It was pretty tied to the teaser or the trailer, I guess, yeah. that we did for season thirteen, yeah. uh, where it's Church's monologue, where he, the, some of those files he recorded tonight. We already heard what those sound like because that was the trailer for RVB 13, some of those files. Um, and so once you said, okay, let's record that, I was like, okay, we're going in that direction. Then I knew that we were going to use that then. Yeah. It was, uh, I remember you, uh, it was, um, it was in the middle of season 12 when you had the idea to actually put that message in a trailer. I was like, that sounds great. We should totally, let's do that. And then, uh, you wrote the trailer and we were, we were, we were getting down the line where it was like, Hey, Bernie, I know you want to write the trailer. Let's get those lines. And when you finally sent it to me, all I responded back was, dude, goosebumps. He's <laughs> <laughs> really a fanboy and he was like, oh, we're, gonna, we're going for it. Let's do it. Well, and we're so used to red versus blue trailers lying through their teeth that this one actually coming through was like, oh, oh, that actually happened. A little bit happened. surprised, yeah. A little bit, uh, yeah. It, uh, it, it came through. This this question came up in, uh, in the Q&A that we just did here at the Draft House. Um... Which was uh, was there ever a point where you thought maybe you would do something other than that ending? And I said, yeah, it was the moment I finished writing episode nineteen. Like episode nineteen, before the chairman shows up, the good guys win, everybody's happy, those assholes got thrown off a cliff, and the other one laughed. Like everything was great, and there was this moment where I was just like, it could end right here, and everything would be it would be the happy storybook ending. And it was, yeah. I, I love church. So it was like this could this could be it. And you know, after a while, I was just like, "No, this is. It needs to be. It needs to be the episode twenty ending." I think push forward with it. You know, from a, from a writing perspective, it's, there's been so many other shows that have started and stopped while Red versus Blue has been going. And, and the way that those shows are written is, has affected me and my approach. I don't know if that's you, but like shows like Lost, you know, they started and stopped while we were making Red versus Blue. And I watched what you know that show went through, where they had a storyline. Um, you know, they didn't know when their show was going to be canceled or when it was going to end. So all of a sudden, they're writing an open-ended story without realizing it. And one thing I've always been proud of with Red vs. Blue is that we've always, like, had points in the storyline where it's like people can have that conversation go, okay, that's good. That's enough for me. This is a really good place to stop. This is a jumping-off point for me. I'm really happy with this. And likewise, you know, as, you know, our audience gets older and, you know, younger people are coming up, we also get great points for people to jump on as well, you know, to join in. I think season 14 will be a great one for that yeah. in particular. But I was like, that we get people, like, points like 13, 10, 5, mm-hmm. you know, even 6 in a way. Yeah. You know, you can drop off and have a very complete story. Absolutely. I think, I think Reconstruction is probably the only thing, at least for me, that I approached as being a standalone story. That you could just watch that one and that was it. You know, it didn't have any connection 
to anything around yeah, that. Necessarily. Yeah. Everything you need to know is contained in that yeah. story. Yeah, obviously, if you watch everything up to there, it's a little more rewarding, but yeah, it's, it's totally standalone. Yeah. Never thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> you want, that even the way one ends. Um, yeah, and one ends with like the ship blowing up with text. Spoiler, um, <laughs> you know, and then it's like, and then well, you know, what, I mean, that's five, like five ends. Right. It blows up like, like that. Yeah, and the way one ends is text gets hit in the tank. Church goes running after after her, and the guys just head on to the base. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, that's the way one ends. So. <laughs> I honestly had not considered that. <laughs> Oh, um, I believe we have a question from the live chat. We do. We do. Um, so it's from, hold on, let me get my handy dandy um, phone out here. Um, it's from GL uh, Wasser. It's how many people are involved in the writing process? Just you two, or do you have a writing brain trust? Uh, it's, yeah, from me, from me, from me. <laughs> <laughs> For those uh, of you listening on iTunes, Bernie's just pointing at Miles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 not like it, I wouldn't say this is a writing team. Would you? I mean, there's a lot. No, of, we there's a few people that we trust. Yeah, we yeah. approached our PSAs differently this season. Yeah, uh-huh. Carrie and Gray uh, work on the PSAs with me chiming in and and, and serving as uh, serving what you you helped me in season eleven as, as kind of a voice voice of guidance or, or whatever, punch ups and stuff and. Um, that worked out great. I thought they did a fantastic job. Sarge too, Sarge Harder was like, the best <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, no, there are, there's definitely people that we trust. Like, I'll, I'll finish an episode and, uh, I, you know, I'll always send it to, to Matt and Bernie for, for any notes or, um, ideas. Uh, and then there's also like the usual people. I'll go to our Carrie Gray. I'll go to Barbara. Barbara's opinion, I value mm-hmm. incredibly. Um, just because she's been such a long time fan, and she'll like she doesn't she doesn't fuck around. She'll just tell you what she thinks. Nico, who's in the music for a long time, oh, is, yeah. is a great person bouncing up, bounce ideas off as well. Yeah. Uh, and then Eddie Rebus, uh, who's been an on again, off again writer for Red vs. Blue, and he was a big contributor. But I would say the primary contributor to the Red vs. Blue book oh, yeah. coming out in a few months. I'm super excited for that. The timeline. The timeline. You're going to be really disappointed. <laughs> at this point, we're just happy with anything. And oh, at this point, we should probably actually swing into the episode recap. Unless there's a question from Twitter oh, that we wanted to bring in. I do have one um, uh, from Alex on Twitter. Uh he or she wants to know, given that it's been 13 years, what has been your guys' favorite church slash Epsilon moment? Well, mine's still the end of uh, season five, church's monologue about why you should hate people. <laughs> <laughs> Don't just hate someone because you're told to. Hate them because you see them every day and they're a complete douchebag. Like that, I thought was... Um, not only just a great message, but it was done in such a, in just the perfect RVB way. You know, it was like it's a nice moral, but said with tons of profanity and snark, and that's that's my favorite. My uh, recently it was episode eleven, the I don't know moment when he doesn't know he's yeah. eleven. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I really like that one a lot. I felt like that was like for church. It was that was the pivot for him. Like for the season, it's like the guy who always thinks he knows at least what he's going to do next, and he just doesn't know. And that's like leading down this trail toward his final solution um, in, the, in the finale of the season. But I think probably my favorite is uh, less of like a church or epsilon one, and more of the original church. Doctor, mm-hmm. the church, the director was the very last bit of uh, reconstruction because it took so much effort to write a story where literally the last word of the story is the twist. Like, so you have to get all the way 
to the last word of the last sentence to get that tw- twist delivered. And it's over. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was yeah. It was it was tough to craft that, and also to guide people away from that the entire time. Oh yeah, because yeah. now everybody yeah once you come online it'll be deconstructed and, and talked mm-hmm. about and everybody has their theories and it's, it's people are smarter yeah <laughs> <laughs> and make fun of the internet for being so dumb there are a lot of very intelligent people on it and we always avoided that like up until season 6 when we went back to it I don't know what made we go back to doing that but like when we did episode or season 1 by like episode 12 somebody had written I I read a post where they'd written the rest of the season. Jeez. I was like, oh my god. And it's like, hey. So then we just, because, you know, Tex was a guy, but then was a girl. You know, and he, the person figured that out mm-hmm. and everything. It was like, I just, I thought you couldn't have twists online because somebody figured it out. But then by the time we got to six, um, I, I felt like it was, uh, we were sophisticated enough that we could actually pull something off. And I was happy that we did. Yeah, it's a good moment, man. It was pretty dang good. All right, let's actually talk about the episodes now. Um, I actually want to talk a good bit about 17 because I know in this chunk of four episodes, it gets glossed over a little bit because we have the fight and the betrayal and that ending. But I really want to talk about Kimball. I want to talk about her speech. And I want to talk about how this was the moment where it turned out that the army could win the war. Because before then, they were shattered and Doyle just died. Yeah. In an extremely heroic fashion that absolutely murdered all of our feelings, <laughs> but nonetheless. And she comes out with a speech about how she initially didn't think that the truce would work because you have to dehumanize your enemies in a war because if your enemies are human, then what does that make you for fighting them, for killing them, for doing what they've done? And I just, I wrote down the last line because I will forever love this last line is fight to see Malcolm Hargrove locked away for the rest of his life. Fight to wipe that stupid grin off of Felix's <laughs> face. Fight because you deserve to fucking win. And that's a direct quote. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. That, uh, that episode, um, was one of the hardest episodes to write because it's like, yeah, that's your low point. It's like, how in the hell do you pull your heroes out of that? Especially when, they don't want to be heroes. They just, you know, everything everything sucks. And that, that script went through a ton of different versions. Um, and I know I always considered what do you fight for? Just my spin on why are you here? Like, yeah. it's the same question, yep. but just phrased differently. Um, and, you okay, know... That was all your tagline for the teaser images. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And... Um, one, that, that episode is one of my favorite because of the music. Like, Nico and David had... As usual, the craziest of deadlines standing above their heads. And uh, Nico had this idea. He said, "Hey, what if we used Half Life, which is personally like one of my favorite songs that he's ever made." And I mean, I used it all over season twelve. Um, and to both of us, that actually has a really like there's a real personal meaning. And um, and he suggested it. And I remembered how we used uh, Far Away for the trailer uh, with David's added strings and percussion and stuff, and how well it turned out. So I said, "You know what? If you believe this is a good idea." Finn, spend the time on it, develop it, and let's see what happens. And uh, they came back with um, that track, um, uh, What We Fight For. And uh, it, they just sent me the audio, and it was an MP3 with, with Kimball's speech and then the, the music behind it. Uh, and I straight just like cried in the break room like a little girl. Because <laughs> like, I couldn't, um, it, it's, it, it was so, it starts off so sad and then becomes this beautiful, like, somber, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, um, but it, it kills me every time I hear it. 
And um, and Lindsay's performance was just like we, it, that was a long session, and she nailed it. She nailed She's it. incredible. She's yeah, incredible. Especially that last line that you just read. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, the emotion that she had like, as well is fantastic. As as Maggie and Clayton, I was standing on the other side of the booth, shouting, just like, "What are we gonna do?" And she's like, "We're gonna fucking win!" Like, <laughs> it was like, I'm sure like the cubicles just outside the booth were just working the day, like, "God damn, we get it." <laughs> Shut up! Go fucking win! But yeah, I know like. War is this unbelievably complex thing, and like the fact that even trying to address it in this web series was a scary thing to do because there's there's never one sided wars, and there's all these different re- reasons as to why people fight. Um, but I don't know. I think it was just this moment where it's it's kind of like um, there was a lot of things that kind of call back to Carolina's line about uh, you shouldn't let the past define who you are. Um, it's just a starting point who you're going to be, which was what I refer to with uh, locus. It's uh, that's a whole other tangent. But, um, <laughs> we'll get to that. But um, um, it was kind of this like, just for once, could we please just cut the bullshit and come together for this one thing that isn't even like we're going to fight for our survival. No, fight for more than just survival. You survive every day. Reach for more. Reach for things like. Yeah, wiping Felix's grin off of his face. It's like, don't just fight to live. Fight to fuck that guy over because <laughs> he's an asshole. Like, that was just go for something more. Go for more. Go for what you deserve. And I don't know. I've just been rambling for a bit. But it was a, it was really difficult thing. And uh, it took a lot of pieces coming together. And I think it turned out pretty darn good. Well, and we needed those pieces to come together in order to set the stage for the next three episodes. Because if they couldn't come together, that's it. That's the war. We're done. So that, that and I'll never forget watching FTX with, with everybody. Um, I was really nervous. I almost, I almost didn't show the episode um, just because I wasn't sure. Like, you know, you go to a panel and you want to like laugh at the time and stuff. And it's yeah. pretty like... Pretty real episode. Yep. Uh, so we ended with it, and uh, I couldn't believe it when uh, when we we got to the part in the speech about Felix. People just started clapping before <laughs> the speech was even done. And then when she said "fight because you deserve to fucking win," the crowd exploded, and it was like they were there on the planet and were like there and part of that group of people. And I, I just it was so unbelievably overwhelming. I couldn't believe it. We were actually in that panel watching that, and there's always something magical about seeing an episode with everyone who is there for that exact same reason. It's just, it's amazing. So, yeah. yeah so that's... Miles, it's nice to know how much people hate your character. <laughs> 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 so I love playing this guy. One of the best comments I read, I know we're not on episode 20 yet, but one of the best comments I read so far is, well, Church died the way he lived, calling himself a hero. <laughs> <laughs> Alexis, where's the applause sound effect? I think we need that again. Because, dang. Whoever oh, wrote that, Lord. you are a good person. And people say nice things. There we go. Yeah. And people say nice things about you. And the one other thing we really needed in this episode is the setup with Locus and Felix. And Locus has been having doubts all throughout the season. And they don't quite come to a head in 17. They don't really come to a head until 19. But he's having very much doubts about Felix about his quest already questionable morals and killing everyone else on the planet that they've been partnered with. <laughs> and Felix is just, nah, trust no one except you. Trust you. But um, <laughs> not those guys. Whatever. I mean, nah. those guys are murdering yeah, monsters, yeah, yeah, right? If that's not a warning sign, yeah. <laughs> yeah. don't trust anybody. It's never me. You can trust me. 
Everything's great. Hey, let's get some popcorn. <laughs> 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 that motivational poster with chain that's breaking and it's like one link is just stretching <laughs> and it says. The only common thing in all of your failed relationships is you. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that, and it applies. Um, I I want to dig into Locus and Felix here because I'm I'm on Tumblr, as most of you know, and this has been a huge point of contention ever since episode nineteen. Because surprise, surprise, Felix is a true monster. He really doesn't care, and we find out that. Locus is what he is afraid of and that he has been manipulating Locus from day one. And you kind of have to approach this from two sides. You have Felix, who, for him, power is everything. He wants to be in control of the situation, in control of other people, in control of everything. And so when he starts losing, when Tucker gets the better of him, when Washington Carolina crash a spaceship on him, <laughs> he's losing control of the situation and therefore losing control of himself. And you can see it. You can see it in the way he moves. You can see it in... He just starts calling people losers and, I'm not tired. You're tired. Thank you, Felix. You child. And we see him lose control. Yeah, and Locus... had some issues. You and don't say. unravel throughout the course of the season, I thought was something that was pretty satisfying. Especially the fact that he is brought down by the reds and blues. Oh people. my god, yes. Um, just felt really fitting. Because it's just, it's him, like, when, when like, there was this saying, it was like, the higher up you are on the ladder, the more people can just see your ass. It's like, <laughs> at the top, like... He is, he's exactly where he has always wanted to be. He's A, number one. There's no other person that is his equal, blah, 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 blah. But that leaves him completely and utterly alone at the end. And because of it, he's, he's beaten by yeah. these idiots. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was, um, the thing that I, that I wanted to do with Locus and Felix, um, from Eleven was introduce them on one end of the spectrum and then have them completely switched by the end of it all. We introduce, huh. Uh, Locus as the biggest, scariest dude. Like, we wanted him to rival the meta in terms of, like, intimidation level. Like, he's he's dying that way. Yeah. Yeah, the big voice and, like, the no eyes on the helmet that has a skull shape and he's great with every weapon and just kills you without thinking about it. And then Felix comes in and is like, whoa, the laughable, oh, he's kind of a dick, but you love him. And then there's the turning point in season 12, um, and especially towards the end of season episode 18, where up to that point we thought, oh yeah, Felix is just this greedy douche. He's yeah, he's kind of a jerkwad, whatever. What a sleazeball. And then you realize when he's messing with Tucker, it's like it's not about the money. Like you said, it's about the power. Like he gets off on just like on on that feeling of being able to be in complete control and be better than everybody else. And you start to realize this dude is bonkers. <laughs> and I think, I think a great like milestone for their progression was the very first episode of this season when they go get shark face on the prison ship. You know, it's just like, it's it's this horrible plan, this, this plan they put in place to basically eject people out of the space, yeah. this horrible plan, and then you get a sense by the end of it that Felix is very much like the guy driving that thing. Yeah, right? and, it, and it becomes more and more throughout the season, like, he's the one that is talking for the both of them. And he's the one where, as soon as Locus has a doubt, he puts his hand on his shoulder, so he, and he uses those trigger words like, hey, don't forget your orders. Partner, we're in this together <laughs> forever. <laughs> dance, puppets, dance. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, and it's all the, it's all the little things. It's just knowing, knowing what, what Locus is obsessed with, with his idea of perfection and being the ultimate weapon, and knowing what makes Locus tick is like what he has always had over him and what he can always play off of whenever he needs to. And just the idea of losing control over Locus and Locus 
finally becoming self-aware enough to realize that this isn't where he was supposed to ever be in his life. That is just the most worst-case nightmare scenario for Felix is the day that Locus realizes he doesn't need him. Yeah. And, uh, and he, it's his undoing. When it, 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 his frustration is unraveling. When he's just trying to get Locus to do what he wants him to do, he tells him, just fuck the orders, man. Who cares? And shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I'm not doing this for anyone else. I'm doing this for me. And at that point, he gives Locus the tools to realize, wait a minute, this isn't right. And Santa telling him, you've been broken by war and Felix kept you that way. This this is not a partnership. This is a very abusive relationship. And Felix doesn't... Well, Felix doesn't have to be the perfect manipulator. Not the whole time. He just has to come halfway and support Locus's lies of, oh, you were following orders. Oh, you're a weapon. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. We're we're just following orders. You're good. And Locus wants to believe that. Yeah, Locus has this. Locus is incredibly delusional, and his whole thing that Wash calls him out on in twelve, which is um, that he just keeps making excuses for his behavior. Like he's actively making these terrible, terrible decisions, but he always has the excuse of "I was just following orders." Oh, I'm just a soldier, blah blah blah. And and Felix is just there to reinforce all those ideals. And whenever he starts to stray away, just nudge him, nudge him back on. Um, it was never like Locus was brainwashed or anything. It's just Felix is, you know, he's the uh, the the kids that you're. Parents don't want you to hang out with when you're young. <laughs> He's the bad, the bad influence kid. He's the bad crowd. Yeah, I fell in with. Yeah. Uh, Locus had a... cigarettes. Through <laughs> 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 the helmet. Through the helmet. Next well, season, there's going to be a, an after-school special about hanging with the wrong crowd. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Felix from the popular web series Red vs. Blue. You may recognize me as the guy who went over a cliff last season. <laughs> I will say my favorite part um, prior to prior to their their split is during the fight with Agent Washington. Yes. And Wash is calling him out on it. And as you mentioned before, the first thing Felix does is put his hand on his shoulder uh, and say, partner. And then the, the next thing, when they're separated, and it's just Wash and Locust one-on-one, the Locus called out for him. Like, the second yeah. he started doubting Locus himself, he's like, knife. help me. Locus has a knife in Wash's face and the size advantage, and Wash is telling him, yeah, killing me won't make you feel better. It's just going to prove me right. And Locus goes, ah, Felix. Yeah. <laughs> Deal with this thing, please. <laughs> it's like, I can't do it. I'm I can't having do feelings it. feelings again. <laughs> having emotions, help me. <laughs> so, and the, oh, my God. When did Wash become this a master manipulator? Fun, when did that happen? Uh, horrible, horrible duo to, to play around with for these last three seasons, and I love them to death. For being just terrible. <laughs> so I need this confirmation, and I think half the fandom needs this confirmation because we've been seeing this around a lot. Uh, Felix is totally super dead, right? So I, I've got to say, when I first told Bernie how I wanted to kill Felix, he goes, mm, We've thrown people off cliffs before, they're going to think he's alive. <laughs> <laughs> so my, yeah, the, the, the trade off was um, given the rule of the way the sword functions. If we see the sword light up when someone else picks it up, then that has to mean that Felix is dead. So that was our not-so-subtle way of trying to say, hey, he's dead. But in case you didn't pick up on that, he's dead. <laughs> he's so dead. He got Disney'd hard. <laughs> like, yeah, the dude's dead. Yeah. I, I said to, to Miles one point, he said, we were talking about the cliff idea. It's like, well, if you could make, like, all of his limbs fly off, <laughs> that would probably, and then he explodes, that might be the only way people would believe yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have him get completely incinerated by the frag just because uh, 
I remember, I remember watching uh, when I was younger. I saw saw one of the Saw movies where like you realize there's this one person that was evil the whole time, and the way that character dies, they just get shot. And I was like, the the awful person inside me was like, that character didn't suffer enough. <laughs> I mean, the realization, of the defeat, the wait, and then the horrible fall all the way down. Just give him a few seconds to to let it sink in, just how much he fucked up. Uh, yeah, he needed to die in the worst way. <laughs> well, and not even just, okay, he's been shot, whatever, not having him die in the heat of battle, but having him lose control of the situation when that was all he wanted over the course of two episodes, having him completely fall apart and then die. Beautiful. Yeah. He uh, needed to go through a lot. And it was really fun getting to play that. It was cool just getting to, like, shout and be crazy in the booth. Yeah, it's one of the things, like, when... You know, another show that he was really popular from during was The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. And I think people were always waiting to see Tony Soprano, like, have his big ball. But it was, like, five or six seasons of following that character. And then, by the end of it, you're like, I don't know if I want to see this guy mm-hmm. fall or not. But Felix, there was no question. You, never, you want to watch him just, like, all of his things work against him and just lose it and unravel it. And then he loses control because that's the way it works. Yeah. It's like Cersei in Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to bring this up because I'm proud of myself. Um... Jay Blue Eyed Stairs on Tumblr pointed this out to me that she had been watching a past AfterBuzz episode, and that I'd said something <laughs> about not wanting to hit Felix but wanting to throw him off a cliff. Ah, <laughs> <yeah>. Okay, <laughs> past Katie, <laughs> you're psychic. Past Katie likes her Disney deaths. Um, oh. Evidently, the chat is saying 57 over and over again. Oh yeah. Oh my God, we never talked about it on the DVD commentary, and we were supposed to. <laughs> Uh, so I guess now's a better time than ever to talk okay. about 57. It's After been a well-guarded secret. Uh, 57 is the world's strangest coincidence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it all started with, uh, there was a there was like a number on the screen in the Tartarus that was like the whole is at 57% something or another. Yep. And then um, Aiden Price says Caroline is 50% more likely to neglect their teammates. So I chose the number 57 for Price just because, man, it seemed like a good number. Uh, and then Patrick was designing all of the screens, and apparently Patrick just decided 57 also happened to be a good number, so he just put that there. And then uh, apparently in season 12, Caboose's lucky numbers are 5 and 7, don't forget them. It was just coincidence after coincidence after coincidence, and people assuming that the season would be 19 episodes long, you would end up in episode 57 in the course trilogy. Right. It just snowballed into this thing, and as soon as we realized it was a thing... Yeah. We just wanted to fuck with people. <laughs> <laughs> it was so much. The greatest moment was when um, there was a uh, there was a day where somehow we accidentally uploaded uh, episode one with our frame count um, in in the export. And we're like, oh, that's not supposed to be up. We swapped it out. But before we took it down, someone went through and got a screen grab of the fifty seventh frame of every shot. And they're like, what does this mean? And I'm sitting there going, it means you've got a lot of time on your hands. <laughs> So this was a case of the fandom just eating itself and you guys getting popcorn <laughs> so, and watching us uh, go. 57, it was all in your head the entire time. <laughs> I hate to bring it to you. <laughs> and that's an AfterBuzz exclusive, you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're welcome for that. We'll see you on episode 57. <laughs> and on that note, let's let's talk about iTunes for a minute. Sounds good. We love your iTunes reviews. You are wonderful people, and we absolutely love your feedback. So if you go on iTunes, like, comment, subscribe, tell us you love us, rate us five stars, because when you do that, it lets all of our wonderful bosses here at the station go, hey, 
they really like these people talking about multicolored soldiers stuck in a box canyon. Let's let's have them do that. And let's have them talk about the teams of fighting girls and let's have them talk about the hilariously incompetent superheroes there. We we have Ruby and X-Ray and Vav shows too, you guys. Hey. So when you leave us reviews and tell us that you like us, then that lets our bosses know that covering uh, rooster teeth stuff is a good thing, and they let us keep doing that. And, you know, it keeps the lights on in the studio, it brings in advertisements, all of that good stuff. And if you leave reviews, we read them on air. Um, when was the last time we had a show? Four <laughs> weeks ago? What date was that? August? <laughs> Early um, August? Well, we have, uh, we have a couple comments that just say great podcast, five stars from Pyrotechnic, Ruby. Oh, Pyrotechnic. Hi. Ruby, Ruby S-T-L-Y and, uh. Oh, Ruby G- Sleep. Yeah, Jiro1331. You guys left five-star ratings, and they're all actually pretty long comments about how much you really like and appreciate the show. You guys are awesome. You so are thank good you people, so, so much. And people say nice things about you. And we have a giveaway. Yay. I don't know if you guys can see this. Uh, Bernie, I know you can't see this, but it came from you. This is the Comic-Con name tag signed by Bernie during the uh, Rooster Teeth panel. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I actually, it was in July. It was a long time ago. So we are giving that away. And do we want to go usual rules, or do we want them to be creative? Um, I want them to be creative. You want to do okay? Yeah, let's have them be creative. That's always a lot more fun in my mind. As always, uh, follow us on Twitter. Whole panel. We'll give our Twitter names at the end. Subscribe on iTunes, and when you leave a five star rating in your comment. Tell us how you think the fight at the end of the season went down. (laughs) The more details, the better. Keep it work safe. This is not a Tarantino work, you guys. I like that. I think that would be a lot of fun. So, and we will choose the best one. We'll announce it on Twitter in about a week, so you definitely need to be following us. And yeah, once we choose a winner, I will mail this out to you. So... Fire up those creative juices, guys. We uh, we want your version of how it should have ended. Oh, guys. Yay. The chat going nuts right now. Yeah? For realsy. Everyone's like, dibs. And I'm like, guys, that's not how that works. <laughs> guys, you got to listen to the rules. The international dibs protocol does not apply. Not, also, not this time around. Apparently, there's a lot of numbers going on in the chat as well. <laughs> two, four, uh, one, and ten? Yes, thank you. I'm I like, please, guys, there's too those. many numbers. I can't do math. Okay. <laughs> No, that's uh, the numbers in contact. Well, I'm iTunes and 24110. I gotta just give a shameless plug to uh, the Reverse Blue Season 13 soundtrack, which is yes. available on iTunes, Google, and Amazon. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, last we checked, number seven soundtrack on all of iTunes. That's awesome. Wow. It's like, cannot believe it. I, I told Nico, I was like, so what's it like to beat out Marty O'Donnell on the Destiny soundtrack? Because he's a huge Marty fan, and he just didn't know what to say to me. Like, <laughs> he shut down. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was incredible working with uh, David and Nico. Like, I love the, like, working with musicians and, and I think it brings so much uh, to the story and they just they killed it this season so please support them I love those guys yeah nobody gets red versus blue like Nico does and mm-hmm. David's been such a great addition to the team it's been really incredible he's super cool and my I thought I correct to Miles too is that Miles is so much more collaborative on a music basis and I think it really shows in the seasons that Miles has directed is that you know my approach with music was before was like here's our episode can you make some music for this whereas Miles is like Here's what the episode's going to be like. Let's start working on the music. They work on the music, and you build the music and the episodes together. I think it really shows. I think it's a great approach. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, like it's 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 a. The thing I need to work on now is uh, actually learning to read music because I'm really tired of going. No, make it be like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, Nika does a great job of interpreting my nonsense. Both of our nonsense. He's really talented at translating. Love you guys. So yeah, do the thing. Buy the stuff. It's such a good soundtrack, you guys. It's wonderful. We have a question from Tumblr user Silvo Krent. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly because I've only ever read it. Now that it's been revealed to everyone in the known universe that Chorus has stockpiles of active alien technology and weapons, does that mean the inhabitants might be at risk for war with the UNSC or the Sanghaley Embassy? It means a lot of things. <laughs> uh, I'm not at liberty to say. As, as I, I will defer to my last statement, yeah, I, uh, uh, the events that take place after that moment in the finale of uh, season 13, who knows what happens after that? You just have to have faith and make your own story. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the fan fiction writers come in. Yeah. <laughs> All right, do we have any fun stuff on Twitter? Um, because we still have a little bit more to cover, we, but I think questions are good. We do have, uh, we've got a few. Um, one that caught my eye was from Jonathan Sweet. What made you guys decide to revisit the Great Destroyer myth from season three and four? <laughs> the Great Prophecy. I just thought it was a fun kind of callback. Yeah, really. people, have, people have asked about it so much, too. It's like, it's like one of the only storylines I think that we, we kind of just left yeah. for a future date. And that future date went from like, Season four in the season thirteen. Yeah, touching on. Yeah, it was just kind of a yeah. It was one of those things like going back and, and finding Caron and being like, oh, this is a great thing to incorporate into the storyline. That was yeah. It was just another little loose end that I, I, I thought that it would be kind of cool to if you if you were to look at the chorus trilogy or the series Reverse Blue as a whole and kind of choose to interpret that great prophecy in one way or another, that kind of did come to fruition. And I don't know. I just thought it was a I just thought it was neat. I don't know. I, I always really like, I like the alien stuff. I thought it was really funny. And just some more, you know, some more view that I think after season nine and ten, I think we're less likely to do a, any kind of a season that's a prequel, you know, or mm-hmm. have it like, especially like the back and forth stuff of season nine. Yeah. Was, uh, uh, was, it, was tough for prequel stuff. But, you know, there's, you know, with the anthology that we have coming up, you know, maybe a two episode, three episode arc or something that's set in the past. Maybe, Maybe the appetite would be there for that. Yeah, we've got we've got a bunch of ideas uh, that just take place all over that that timeline, and uh, yeah, it could be fun getting to play around with that. Yeah, and you'll have to write a new one for the next book. (laughs) (laughs) Can you give us any clues as to what those ideas are? Um, you know, Doctor Caboose, (laughs) (laughs) MD, he runs the hospital. Um, Bless. I could, uh, oh man, I would tease one, but it's not my episode, so I'm not going to do it. But it will, it's going to make a bunch of fans really, really happy. Um, I, uh, I, I, uh, I I'm going to keep myself from doing it. I'm going to keep myself from doing it. I think there's a lot of stories, even though we've seen the actual stories, I think that we could do some things that would be a lot of fun, like to show the personal approach, the personal side of some of those stories. You know? Yeah, so taking it, taking a, a scene that we've seen before from the point of view of like a different character or like how yeah. that character perhaps. I mean, God, they did that with Ender's Game. They did that with, did you ever read the Ender's Game? No, I did what everybody says not to do. I judged the book by its cover. I got that one really lame copy of Ender's Game where it's like weird illustrated. So like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, I'm not reading that shit. <laughs> I, did, I did the thing you're not supposed to do. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I would like to, 
I, there's just some stuff that I think I'd like to see. You know, what I mean, I mean, it's like I always love the meta, and uh, you know, the knowing more about like what Maine went through and what took place from his perspective might be kind of interesting. But we're working through all that now, and really, it's up to the writers. You know, stuff that they want to talk about. But of course, we're gonna get some writers who have heard of the series and are interested in participating. But maybe you want us to throw some ideas at them. So we're actually yeah. building a stockpile of ideas like, hey, why don't you tackle this? Yeah. I might have to be You know, so we can point it in that direction because I think there's some things that the audience would love to see, and I, it'd be interesting to get other people's take on yeah. it. I will say, uh, I'm confirmed, I'm going to be doing a, a three episode story arc, and uh, I won't necessarily say what it's about, but uh, I do have certain characters that I love, and certain characters that I think people would want to know a little more about, so uh, <laughs> we'll, I'll leave it at that. The big challenge would be never weave all those stories together, Richard, and I think this is the point where I put in the official request for a 479er story. Noted. And we will add that to the pile. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might need to add like 57 of the, 57 of them to the pile. <laughs> because half of Tumblr wants her back. <laughs> uh, we've got one more from Twitter that I think uh, is interesting from Malachroma on Twitter. Malachroma! She wants to know what initially inspired uh, the, di- uh, the dynamic between Felix and Locust. We know you guys said you wanted to have the dynamic flipped, but what initially inspired that to begin with? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was cool. That's what inspired it. Uh, I really, really, really like villains because every good villain is the hero of their own story. Um, and I... I don't know. I think, like, you can't have a good hero without a good villain that is interesting that you have to overcome. So I wanted to just spend a lot of time. Honestly, it was probably just the fact that I wanted to see if I could do something that would could be at least as cool as the meta. Because the meta is just, like, just infamous in all of his horrifying power and strength. And, like, he was just, like, this crazy, like, you said he's an idea at this point. <laughs> but, uh, and, like, just, I was like... If I can come up with something half as cool as the meta, I'll be happy. Well, the, uh, I, I mean, if I recall correctly, three years ago, when you were talking about the characters for the first time, um, a lot of that, you know, I think one of the strongest moments in the series, you don't start from the beginning and work to the end. You start from the end, and you work back to the beginning. And uh, I think the twist that we've been working together was a big thing that, that kind of inspired, like, where they were, their starting point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, was the, that was, like, an ending point for them in the first act of this whole trilogy. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it was like... that Because originally, yeah, the... Um, at first, they were both going to show up in the canyon, and uh, they were both going to be bad. They were both in green and gray armor. Um, and then, I, yeah, I don't know when it was, but when we were developing the Civil War idea, mm-hmm. the idea of them playing both sides came up, and that was, yeah, that was kind of the, oh, this is how this dynamic needs to work. Like, that, like you said, that twist then that was where we knew this is where we wanted to be at some point in time in the trilogy let's go backwards from that and then that helps you define your starting point yeah the characters yeah Yeah, that's a great point well I think at this point we need to talk about that finale yeah we've hit everything but the final episode we we do have a question from the live chat though really quick um it's pretty much just uh everybody is mostly uh Riss Merritt who's asking about why uh, you guys decided to pick Tucker out of everybody to have the meta suit, out of all the red and, blue, red and blues. Um, well, I think it, it fell in line with Tucker's development throughout the trilogy. 
of seeing him grow as a person. It absolutely does. And the development that we have not seen the end of yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, you know, Tucker, when we talk about the gap with the Great Destroyer storyline, there's a gap where Tucker goes away and then comes back and he actually is a decent soldier. And uh, there's there's a story there. And uh, I think there's a story left to be told with Tucker and what he does next. Yeah. Season 14. <laughs> season 14. <laughs> Let's see what Tucker did in the all desert. All seasons. Season 57. Forever. 100 years. 100 years. There will always be more red versus blue. So let's talk about this final episode where we have the chairman showing up at the end of 19 just for a... <laughs> you surprised. Thought, bet you thought you'd seen the last of me. And dropping mantises pretty much everywhere. And so we have our characters needing to hitch a ride, which I I absolutely love, Doc. I've developed a fear of heights and flying, and you guys. <laughs> That's a healthy fear for you. Going up to shut down the mantises from the control hub on the ship. Seeing Phyllis again. Aww. Oh, my God. God bless you, Mary Cruz. She's fantastic. She's, that was absolutely wonderful. And just Phyllis doing the immediate, oh, I missed you. <laughs> I hate this guy. I will totally help yeah. you. I love the, the gloss over just like, man, I haven't seen you since you died. It's great to see you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, he is church. He's died a couple times. Yeah, that's true. Um, it must be Tuesday. <laughs> and just the- see, plus, so when you say that, church as a character. <laughs> he, is he an ideal? That's is he an ideal too? Without the fact that characters can die, but church as a character... This is not church. This is Epsilon. It's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like, a difference. The character of church died very actually anticlimactically. Like, when somebody pushed a button and set off an EMP in mm-hmm. 6. I mean, that's just like, there was no, like, I mean, they had a sacrifice. Of course, You yeah. could see some kind of, sh- you know, shades of that. Yeah. It happened with, like, the same mind making the same decisions. Mm-hmm. But it's like, the character really was, is dead. It's yeah. just a different version mm-hmm. of the character. Yeah. Back. And I mean, it's a, that, that's a character that's got, like, multiple iterations. Like, yeah. season nine, it's like, multiple, multiple, multiple. Yeah, I like thinking of, of, the, of church, Leonard Church, all the churches, like, they're... Obviously, everybody's destined to die, but the 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 the, the difference between Doctor Leonard Church and um, and uh, Epsilon Church in this instance is like the difference between somebody that chose to let go of their past and someone that didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, churches defining "I forget you" I think is such an important moment for Epsilon um, uh, as a character, just because the, you saw what happened to to the good doctor and he just became obsessed with this idea of trying to reclaim what he had lost and it just it was awful and everything was terrible and you have to move forward I think I'm gonna cry (laughs) I'm just gonna cry (laughs) so we have essentially a climactic we don't have essentially a climactic battle I am losing my mind But Phyllis we have a lot of really them. good buildup. We do, and Phyllis bringing them down the hall to the uh, tiny personal freelancer museum, which is super <laughs> creepy. Oh my god! Just the moment with Epsilon looking at the shattered Tex helmet, oh, and the voice man. being an octave down, asking where the chairman is. Just like, oh god, someone's mad. That's Omega talking right there. That's not yeah. going to end well. And, yeah. and it's yeah. it's yeah. very yeah. fitting. It's very fitting that we we kind of end here because we we saw Hargrove earlier in the season in this room looking at the meta armor all all menacingly and um and so it's very fitting that we end here with all of these artifacts of a broken project that he's gathered around them as some form of twisted trophy trophy being yeah, was, used against him that was um 
before we ever designed um, his trophy room, um, there was one thing that I really wanted to be part of, of, of the ending, which was he'd collected all of these things and claimed them as his own, but they were never his. If anything, they belonged to the Reds and Blues, and these, these were items that they had interacted with and had a profound effect on and had a profound effect on them, and essentially... Yeah, them, them reclaiming it for themselves and turning it against them. Just the politician like taking credit for everything. Yeah. yeah. The Griff shot showing up made me super happy. And the rebuttal <laughs> for today yeah. is a good day to die. <laughs> Just, yes. And that, I... I didn't, I didn't even take notes on that last monologue. My notes just say church, and then there's a crying emoticon. <laughs> <laughs> because I, oh my god, I'm, this is how you can tell I'm still overwrought. I'm losing my words. Don't usually, Megan, help me. <laughs> um, that monologue, how'd you guys go about, like, in terms of, like, cause he, he said goodbye without saying goodbye. <laughs> I hate you guys the least. <laughs> He didn't say goodbye. You pointed that out, and I just about fell off the couch. Fine, by the way. uh, Carrie said that to me one time. I don't remember when it was. I couldn't tell you when it was, but he told me that one day, and I—that is probably one of the greatest things anybody ever told me. Not, not that it should be a line. He actually told Miles that. (laughs) No, that was. It was one morning. I think we were. We were. It might have been sometime around RGB ten or something, or. I just remember there was at one point when we had a tent in the old office that we would go and take naps in because it was like shield for the light. And, it's a very uh, mature workplace. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I think it was just like I can't remember what it was, but we were like we were so tired and drained, and he was just like, "I hate everything." And he was like, "But I hate you the least." And I was like, oh, "Thanks, man." And that's been like the I think that's the nicest thing anybody's ever told me, and I loved it, and, and it felt it felt like a perfect church line. It really was. And just, I don't know what that says about church or Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> that Carrie's low moments are church's high moments. Maybe I don't know. But just pointing out that the hero never knows if their sacrifice made a difference. I don't think that I've ever seen that pointed out in any other media. That the that hero was, that just was, that, was, that was your that was your idea. Yeah, it's always a tragic thing to me. It's like you think about the characters that do sacrifice themselves and they just do it. It's like you know you never see some kind of. Um, in a very typical storyline for like some kind of battle or war movie or something like that, somebody makes a sacrifice and then they go on and win the day, but it's like, they just you don't know that. You set yeah. this stuff up. I always think of the different Independence Day. Randy Quaid. I just thought of I Halo think. Reach. That's amazing. <laughs> People are crop duster. Yeah. But they, they, the audience thought it was too silly, so they made the jet fight. Yeah. I just thought of Halo Reach. Let him yeah. die thinking that he won the war. I I so was sad. gonna say we were talking a lot about that when Doyle made his self sacrifice. Yeah. Exactly. And again, it's very fitting that that would kind of inspire Epsilon in this way. Uh-huh. And even yeah. with this, we have the reappearance of the AI fragments. And I know a lot of people I'm so sad Church is gone, but Delta's back. <laughs> Are we sure? <laughs> New AI now. They're all, they're all back. Yeah. Yeah. God it was a, it's an interesting idea of just like if Epsilon is memory and memory to me like I, I feel like a person is um, a person's personality is essentially created by their surroundings their upbringing and their experiences and their memories and all that stuff so it's like if you were to get rid of all of that then especially if you are memory like if that's what Epsilon is if you get rid of that then then it frees up a lot of space for all these like root functions and deltas and you know all the other AI to step in and do their thing. So it's yeah, and the iterations of the AI I think are something that I'm fascinated by because and that's why epsilon was key to that memory being key is that 
the memories of things are often a very distilled version of those things. Like, even as you pass down, like, you know, very famous people in history, it's like, you know, Napoleon or Genghis Khan or whoever, you know, or Einstein, it's like, you just get the basis of who they were, you know, you don't get all the other things that make a human mind or human life what it is, and so... Now that Epsilon is gone, and he was the one keeping all of them in check at that point, what we're left with are these memories of these fragments. It's basically like they're very, the core of the core. Yeah, like Horton's version of them, yeah. Yeah, so, because um, that's what survives in memory, right? Is the most, is, is the, the strongest, uh, you know, elements of what took place or who those people were. So, yeah, yeah and that's interesting because he's not there to keep them in check anymore. You yeah. Know? I'm worried it's about Sigma. a lot of fun stuff to play with there, too. Like, if Epsilon is not there, uh, in that group, um, what's it like with that group of AI too? If they have no memories of anything, mm-hmm. like and they're just like they're almost like starting fresh themselves. So there's a lot to play with there. I'm wondering how you'll handle Sigma because Elijah Wood. I'd imagine he's a hard guy to get in studio. Now we hang out all the time. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, we're going to meet for coffee after this. Elijah's always been super, super gracious. So if we ever want to use Sigma again, we'll just. Have to see. Yeah, we'll just have to see. We just have to ask, you know, and, and then he'll have to say either yes or no. So. <laughs> Sigma will just be a silent, looming, terrifying figure. That's all. <laughs> we did break uh, Elijah away from his DJing career that he has now. He's a very successful DJ. Really? Yeah, he spins oh. records all the time. He loves it. Travels the world doing that stuff. That's amazing. Yep. Fun fact. Wow. Fun fact. Do we have any other fun stuff from Twitter or from the chat? Uh, let I, I haven't been looking. I've been listening. I mean, I, uh, I've also been listening, but mostly everyone's just asking: Is Church dead? Like, uh, yes, uh, yes uh, he's dead. Yeah, like, okay. is he ever coming back? <laughs> at all? Let's go down the list. Let's go down the list of people who are Let's go down the list of people who are dead, shall we? Church, church, and church. The Meta, Felix, the Counselor, and Sharkface. Yep, they were just wondering if any of those people are coming back. Felix. Felix is down. Doyle's yeah. down. Doyle's down. Doyle, uh, yes. Donut Prime. There's a Texas is gone. Look, one of the things I'm so happy about. It's like I like when the things work out. Like Miles was talking about the fifty seven thing. Tex died in season ten. She's gone. That was her last season. Texas, the shirts that we made for everybody back in the day. Texas shirt was number ten. Church's shirt was number thirteen. Yeah. So it's like it, it just like it was. It, the story <laughs> itself serendipitously worked out to where those numbers, which were just jersey numbers, had a significance by yeah. the time they finished. So. Yeah. I have to ask if we will be hearing the rest of Church's messages because in that monologue he said, "I'm recording this and others." Well, you heard one of them in uh, the trailer. You heard one of those one. I mean, he was working on AI time at that point, right? Yeah. So he could have done a lot. Theoretically, from the moment the idea popped into his mind, he's like, "All right, I'll get this one out of the way. Get this one out of the way. Get this one." Like, Tucker, take off your helmet. Get this one out of the way. And that, and you know, I've always really loved the idea of leaving behind messages for people. Like that was one of the first things was season ten, episode twelve, with the York messages. Yeah, so, it's a really fun thing to play around with. No, you just just jump that too. Okay. Yeah, the um, you know one of the things we actually talked about too was um, theming the entire Red vs. Blue book as being one of the messages from Church. Uh, but that was like the book took a year and a half. Two yeah, years. we actually had to add some more sections to it because originally I think we were going to try to get it out before season thirteen or something. Yeah, and that did not happen. Yeah, so originally it was going to come out before thirteen, so we couldn't necessarily make it like that. Yeah. But yeah, but it was like one of the ideas. Like, there's a lot there, you know, that we can hear from church. Like, even 
some people that didn't get a, good, a real goodbye in this from church. I mean, those those opportunities exist in some of those files. So, mm-hmm. so instead of P.S. I love you, it's P.S. I hate you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do we have anything from Twitter? I know I just said that, but I'm wondering. The, the only thing that um, somebody mentioned it earlier, you were talking about it on uh, Tumblr, about uh, Felix's end kind of mirroring what was in an yes, earlier vision. That, that we have a question from Tumblr user Jero1331. Did you mean to make the scene with the Reds, Blues, and Locusts surrounding Felix to be a mirror to Locusts' trial in the temple? So it started off, as most great things do, as a coincidence, where we were trying to figure out the blocking for that scene, and um, I was looking around, just running all over the map, like, okay, if he gets hit here, and then the rocket lands him here, and, and the main reason I wanted him there was just so that Locus could stand high above him, like, the, you know, finally taking control of, of his life. Um, and then when we got all the characters in, I looked at it, and it was just this moment of, Oh, fuck me. This is perfect. <laughs> and, uh, and then we tried to do our best to get a few shots in there that really mirrored Locus's nightmare. Got to see what Felix's nightmare come to fruition. But, like, that's Miles' way of saying they reused the animation. <laughs> <laughs> so, kind of mirroring that, we have a question from Tyrion Rogue. Now that we know what Felix's fear was, can you tell us how it manifested during Santa's test? Nah. <laughs> okay. yeah, I'm pretty sure it would look very similar to how it turned out in 19. Wow. Um, I uh, One more. I can't find the name of the person, I'm afraid, unfortunately. But um, we did have a question from Twitter wondering, from a machinima standpoint, what has been the most difficult thing um, to work with this season besides just the sheer number of characters in one in one place together? Well, so I thought it was super easy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Kyle and Josh uh, did a great job leading the cinema along with Alex Leonard. Um, They did a great job. They did a great job and did fast because they finished early. First time ever in the history of Red Blue that somebody's finished early. I told him, like, y'all have to be the fastest machine writers in the world. I don't don't believe anything else. Um, Especially, like you said, with the amount of characters. Like, episodes 9, 10, and 11, episodes 17, episode 19 and 20, like, anything where there's a huge battle was... Unreal. Um, but outside of that, there was the episode where uh, Kipple receives the call saying that they just found Santa. We had this caravan of cars that all had to stop at the exact same time. I know Kyle hated me for that. Um, and then the other one is, is episode nineteen. Episode nineteen is um, it is all animation composited onto Machinima plates. Yeah. And the reasoning behind that was, although uh, 343 was gracious enough to give us the uh, the geometry for that map, we just did not have the time to create the textures, to light it properly. It, it, that time just did not exist. So we came up with this idea, hey, we have the geometry. That means all we have to do is we get our shot in Machinima. Then the animator takes a look at that shot, or the layout artist looks at that shot, positions the camera in the same place in the 3D version of it, and then there you go. That really would have worked out great. It didn't work out as smoothly, mainly just because the lens on the on the machinima camera is so odd and wide. And the positioning of camera in 3D space facing the same exact angle is, I mean, without a reference and actual any kind of hard data, that is very hard to do. It was it was really 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 difficult, um, and it was probably technically the most challenging episode of the whole season, just because of how many different departments had their hands on that episode. Every single shot. With that episode, um, 
So that was a nightmare. <laughs> but now we know now we know how to approach it. If we ever do something like that again, we now have a much better way of how to approach it and know how we can do it. So mm-hmm. cool learning experience. Even if it was like pulling teeth. <laughs> That's awesome. we'll be looking forward to seeing that. Um do you have any final thoughts on the season, Megan, Alexis? Just that um as I, I can understand some people's disappointment at uh, not getting to see the big fight, but all in all, this was a really good way to wrap up a trilogy. And I would have never guessed from the start of season 11 that this is where we end up. And yeah. and as hard as it is to say goodbye to certain characters, this was this was a fascinating season to watch, just given all the character arcs that we've had. And it was very, very satisfying and entertaining. It's time to say goodbye to the things we love and the innocence of youth. Uh, yeah. Could not resist. Alexis? No, I was actually going to say the same thing. It's just, I I haven't, um, I've just, I've literally just, like I said before in other episodes, that I've rewatched literally from one to now. And it's so awesome, again, to see the change from, I know that the story arcs are a little bit different, but I just love watching and growing and having old fans watching the series again. And it's just, I think this is my favorite season so far, to be honest, even though I know a lot of people are kind of like, oh, but it's so different. But I... I don't know. It 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 gave it went I went through the emotions in a totally different way than I would have when I first watched it as a kid. So How about you guys? Any final thoughts? Uh Vernon, you got any final thoughts? I was, I was extraordinarily happy with the ending and you know, I can't I can't thank Miles enough. The last three seasons. I mean, after picking up a series, I mean he did some stuff in season ten that was really critical to season ten. But picking up and writing and directing a series that had already been in place for a decade. And taking the helm and taking it where you took it, I can't thank you enough. You did such an amazing job. I think it's absurd that you're thanking me because <laughs> it's. Uh, I was a, I was a big fan of the show, and uh, and just given the fact that you can give me this opportunity is it, I I have no words. <laughs> thank you, and it's been it's been um, it's been very very challenging, um, very educational, and a lot of fun. And uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what's next. I guess uh, I've got you know the story on Tom fourteen, and and then who knows? Who knows what what's to come? Um, if it's good, if it's bad. You just have to have faith, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and ain't that a bitch? I enjoyed the hell out of this season. I enjoyed it more than. <laughs> I have to say season eight is my favorite season hands down just because that one's so much fun to throw on and watch but i think this one is probably tying it for that it's such a good season it was so much fun to watch it had such great highs and such horrible feels killing lows it was (laughs) i do need to sit down at some point and watch the whole thing as a movie and i'm kind of sad i missed the alamo thing because of that because it would be so good to see it all put together um I have not seen a ship sink this hard in years. I'm kind of amazed at the collateral damage and the fallout from that one. And I just, I really enjoyed it. I'm still, I watched the final episode two days ago, and I am still emotionally reeling from that. And that is the sign of a job well done. Thank you very much. There's a lot of people that worked very, very hard on it. And uh, we're, we're, I'm incredibly proud of all of them and couldn't be more grateful. Half the questions that wound up on Tumblr had the last line be, thank you to everyone on the RVB crew. You guys are wonderful. We love you. So Tumblr loves you guys. Awesome. And they would we like you to know. We poke fun, but we love you. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, where can the people go if they would like to find out more? Uh, you can always go to roosterteeth.com for all your latest and greatest roosterteeth news. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, I am MilesLuna24. I'm at Bernie. 
But find me on the Rashid site, Rashid.com. And slash burning more? Is that the way we do it? Anyway, uh, just search for burning. Yeah, we, we updated our site with a bunch of cool new features. You should go check them out. And yeah. more updates are coming. Yeah. <laughs> really cool ones are coming very soon. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for having us. us. As always, thank you guys. Yeah, we'll talk thank to you, you next time. See ya. All right, and Alexis, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me all over social media as atorres890. Don't forget to check out our sister networks. We'll also be in the booth for uh, for popcorn talk for movies and Black Hollywood Live for all your news and gossip of African-American entertainment. And Megan? You guys can follow me on Twitter at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-A-N. I'm also on a bunch of shows here at AfterBuzz. And be sure to check out uh, Movie Chick Quick Reviews on Popcorn Talk as well as the Movie Chick Quick... Uh, not Quick, but the Movie Chick News uh, Review Show. Uh, there's going to be a new one tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're going to be streaming live tomorrow, aren't we? Yeah, we're going live. It's going to be great. And I am Katie Cullen. You can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at Kiaxet. That's K-I-A-X-E-T. You can also find me on Snapchat at Kia Prime. I am on a whole bunch of shows on AfterBuzz. Z Nation has its season premiere next week. Transformers Robots in Disguise has its season finale. X-Ray and Vav will be back eventually, and Arrow's coming back in October. I'm also writing articles for the movie Chick, that's Chick with two Ks, and I'm on that fun movie show, and yeah, come talk to us, guys. We really want to hear what you have to say about this season and about Red vs. Blue as a whole. Remember, like, comment, subscribe, follow us on Twitter, give us your version of how that final battle went to win the Bernie Burns autographed name card. Thank you guys so much for watching. See you next season. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Ain't that a bitch. Whoops, sorry. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.